0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message.
1: Well, Happy New Year, all of you. Thanks, thanks, uh, all, all of our campuses and all of you watching online. So glad you're with us before... Uh, we get to the message. I want to say a few things. Um, I want to say thank you to all of the uh, connections team, whether you park cars or you greet people out in the cold. Can we just give it up for our connections uh, across all of our campuses? And Christmas Eve, all the the all of you that served Christmas Eve, and I mean, it was crazy. It, it was it was almost felt like normal we we were about 5000 from normal but that, you know it it was great great to be together and and, uh, I, and if you have not for whatever reason gotten involved here at Hope maybe um, even greeting at a door uh, that's not a, that's not like nothing but but whatever it is that, that we can help get you involved in serving we want to do that all you got to do is is go online and look under, you know, serve opportunities, or go into ministries and connections team. We have places to serve. You, you can serve in children's ministry, student ministry, worship teams, uh, tech teams, connections. That which which would include a ton of areas, all across our campuses. And and then, uh, you know, it would help you more than it's going to help the church. But when you and I serve each other, Jesus said, "The world will know that you're Christians because you love one another." When we serve one another, we wash people's feet um, in whatever ways, and wash people's feet just means serving. Uh, I want to invite you to do that this this new year, 2022. Let it be not just uh, taking, not just receiving. But maybe it's time for you to get plugged in somewhere, and and so and serve. So I, I want to encourage you to do that. Also, next thing, Friday, January twenty first. That is a Friday, January twenty first. That's in three weeks. About, um, we're going to have our first uh, uh, kind of a college age event, uh, calling brain. We're calling it brain detox on a Friday night. We're going to meet here at Frisco East. And uh, it's it's for college-age students, 18 to 25, you know, in there. Maybe you're 28, doesn't matter. But in that range... And Mike Foster, my good friend from California, uh, who is a life coach, counselor in, in a variety of ways to corporations, and to, he's been a speaker here, he's going to come, and we're going to talk about anxiety, we're going to talk about depression, we're going to talk about how do we get healthy in regards to those things. And so if you are in that age room, or you have uh, maybe children in that age group, man, Friday, January 21st, right here at Frisco East. Invite them. Get them here. We're going to have a great time, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what God does in that age range across all of our campuses. Now, about uh, 12, 13 years ago, I met a young man in college who was in college with my daughter, and um, man, uh, to say that I'm proud of this guy is an understatement. He has been here at Hope for almost 10 years now, And he started as an assistant youth pastor, and now, 10 years later, he is in charge of all student ministry across all of our campuses and online campus, and his name is Will Perry. And he is like a son to me. I just married him and Kelsey uh, a few months ago, and it is the joy of my life to watch this guy grow, and more importantly, to watch him lead. And today, for the first time at Hope on a weekend, Will Perry is going to come and, and speak. And I promise you, he comes from uh, life experience. He's been around the block, and he has lived through uh, some challenges in his life. And it has been awesome to see him come through in victory and come through in health. And I love this guy. And across all of our campuses, I want you to join me in welcoming our student pastor, Will Perry to the stage right now. I love this guy.
0: Love you, man. Love you, too. Give me some feels this morning. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, man, it's such an honor to. Uh, to get to be here. I mean, I'm, I'm here every single Sunday, and gosh, this is my, my home, my, my home church, and uh, just home in general. And like uh, John was saying, uh, I, I met him years ago before I came on staff. I was at a, a leadership conference, and uh, I, I knew him from knowing uh, his daughter and, and son-in-law. And um, so I used to do this thing where I would walk up to people I w- and— If I caught their name, I would kind of put it in my pocket and then get to like later pretend like I knew that person just to kind of see them like squirm a little bit because I thought it was funny. And uh, so I did that to John. Um, I walked up to John and Melissa and I said, hey, Pastor John, PJ, long time no see. And I didn't know this, but the students in his youth group when he was a youth pastor in Tennessee called him PJ. So he thought that I was someone from his youth group when he was a youth pastor that he couldn't remember. So he was like, hey, buddy, you know, (laughs) And uh, he was just like, obviously, he's like the nicest guy in the world. And so he invited me uh, to actually have lunch with him and the host staff that day and asked him a bunch of questions. I got to know the staff and uh, I walked away from that conversation telling God, if I ever get the chance, I want to be at that guy's church forever. So who knows what you know God's will is for me in my life, but hopefully I'm I'm going on ten years uh, to forever be, being here and, and getting to be here, and uh, I've got I've got a, a pretty fun experience getting to be involved at every campus. Uh, like he said, I started here at the Frisco East. Uh, campus uh, co pastoring with Pastor Tisha, who's the student pastor here again. Um, and we did that for years. And then I got to be under the leadership of uh, Lana Vaughn, our-, our missions pastor. If you're going to go to Costa Rica, you'll go with her. Uh, and and while well, I got to call the Frisco West campus my home, and gosh, there was so much healing and going through a lot in my life at that time, story for another time. But uh, man, Frisco West has just so much redemption in my heart. And then I moved from there to go to, uh, to McKinney. Got to hang out in McKinney uh, for a number of years. Being and the student pastor there, freaking love McKinney. It's uh, near and dear. I, honestly, I say it not in, in passing and whatever, but all these, every, every campus has such a close place to my heart. And currently, uh, I get to be a, a, a sixth grade guys, small group leader with Trevor at the Prosper campus. Uh, it's great. It's great. We need your help. I uh, you said volunteer. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so like sixth grade guy, if you're out there, you know, Kellen, Barrett, Gus, all at Grayson, all of you guys, can't wait to see you tomorrow at the main event. Um, like you said, I've been here for almost 10 years. It'll be May, May 1st will be 10 years, so about nine and a half. And um, there are, you know, a lot of us on staff, we have reputations kind of behind the scenes that maybe a lot of people don't know about. I have a reputation that is well-founded, as much as I would like to not say it's well-founded, that there are, uh, there are pieces of equipment that I'm not allowed to use, like the scissor lift. I'm not allowed to use a scissor lift um, for various reasons. You know, let's just say hypothetically, I ran it into a door frame and broke the door frame or scraped the wall or did messed up stuff in the ceiling one time. Or maybe, you know, in the past, I like ruined a hallway here at the Frisco East Campus that was just re-carpeted the day before. Maybe hypothetically I even cut the top of my pinky off here. You know, so I have a reputation. Of, of trying something and then it not going well or trying something and then failing at it or whatever. And then hopefully this, you know, it's kind of failed forward. And this is the time of the year. It's happy new years, right? This is where we set goals and ambitions and we set up things that we will, most of us, not actually follow through on. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, they, they did this one research where they found that 12% of people that set New Year's resolutions uh, actually follow through and accomplish them. So today is not for the 12%. Today is for the 88, okay? It's for those of us that will set New Year's resolutions and fail at them. So this is all about how to fail at your New Year's resolutions because I don't know about you, I don't wanna like slowly go, I don't wanna slowly fail like an air mattress deflating overnight. No, no, no. We wanna go down by like the Hindenburg. So this is gonna help you Kind of propel you forward, fail quickly, you know, down in flames, it's going to be great. Uh, So number one, number one, uh, be comfortable with who you are and where you are. Be comfortable with who you are and where you are. The first step at failing is just to be satisfied. Not content. Content is different. Content is saying, I'm okay no matter what's going on. Being comfortable in this context is saying that I'm good where I'm at, you know? Many, pretty much all of us feel like we're not good enough, but we're good, right? Society says, uh, culture a lot of times says uh, that, hey, you're good, you're perfect exactly the way that you are. Don't change at all. Like, don't do anything else. And that's a good place to be if we want to fail at our New Year's resolutions. I am uh, newly married. A new, I still got that new married smell on me. It's great. I got married on October 8th. It's awesome. She's great. She's out there somewhere. Hello, wife. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, a couple months into this, I have been asking uh, here and there whenever the question pops in my head ask a question for people who have been married longer than me, which is pretty much everybody who's married, like how, how did you get to that point? Like, how, well, Give me your, your secret sauce. Like give me your things, right? So we were on the, uh, coming back from our honeymoon, and I was talking, uh, struck up a long conversation with the guy next to me, and he'd been married for over 20 years. So I asked him, well, how, I'm, at, I'm at like eight days. How do you get to, how do I get to 20? And he said, I've been married for over 20 years, and I still date my wife. I said, well, elaborate. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean, date your, your wife? And he said, that what we've done is we've avoided getting into a rhythm of, of just staring at a screen together. And we still go on dates, and we still do things. And he said, 20 years later, there are still so many things about my wife that I'm discovering or rediscovering or finding out or learning. And I think as true—a as lot of you married people are shaking their heads—as true as that is in marriage, I think that's true for ourselves as well. Like, how long have you known yourself— a long time, and yet there's still things about yourself that you're learning, that you're discovering, and, I, and truthfully, I think this is because only God can have true awareness of ourselves, because sometimes we're blind to, to things happening in our lives, or, or how people perceive us, or whatever, um, one thing that we talk to students about, we, we, we say this at least a few times a year, is that uh, to our high school, middle school and high school students, is that we are not architects of our identity, we are archaeologists. We're not architects having to like build our identity in Christ. We're archaeologists uncovering the, uh, the beauty that Christ has already placed inside of us. We're getting to uncover the, these gifts, the talents, the skills, and the responsibilities that our Lord, that our creator has given to us while we're here breathing on this side of eternity. We're not archaeologists, or we're not architects of our souls. Instead, we're archaeologists uncovering that. And scripture even tells us this, that there are things about us that we don't know. Like Matthew, uh, all of you have heard this before. Matthew 10, 30 says, and even the very hairs on your head are numbered. And some of the guys out there are like, not many. There's not many numbers (laughs) to those things. I feel It's happening to me too. You know, it happens to the best of us. God created us. God created us and solely does God know us. So if we don't want to fail, then we got to lean in to, to knowing, okay, God, what is there? What is there for me to discover this, we, this, this year? What is it for you to, re, to, to reveal to my life, to me, about who you created me to be? Or, if we want to fail, just be comfortable. Just be, not, not content, be comfortable and say, like, I'm good as is. Number two, should yourself to death. It is so much easier to criticize than, than to celebrate, right? It, it is just so much easier. And we criticize ourselves the, the best. We are the best at like, we're down, okay, let's kick ourselves while we're down, right? Like, that is, we, we're best at that. I, I can criticize other things like the new Star Wars movies all I want, but I criticize myself even more than anything else. Like, how, how many times have you said I should have started sooner? I should know this already. I should have done that. Parents, you look back at your parenting and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I should have done this earlier, right? I should have said it differently. I should, I should, I should. One of my favorite sayings is this old Chinese proverb that says, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. So you, We could all be millionaires if we could go back in time to 2012 and invest in Bitcoin. Amen, right? Right? Hindsight hindsight is great for its lessons, but if we live in hindsight, then we get trapped in the past. Instead of uh, uh, seeking God, seeking what Christ has for us, and propelling us towards his future for our lives. What would happen if instead of criticizing ourselves for what we should have done, we started planning for what we will do, what we will do? Number three, focus on changing behavior instead of being transformed. If we want to fail, focus on, on changing a behavior instead of being transformed. See, fixing behavior is good, but if we want to succeed, then like, transformation is probably better. Now, what do I mean by that? Like, We can temporarily fix behavior... But if it's not a transformation of, of the way that we think, the way that we see the world, the way like then all we're doing is behavior alteration that eventually will probably kind of drift back towards that old habit anyways. How many things have you tried to quit that then you're like, I quit it for a little bit and then I went back? You know? How many things have you said, like, I'm gonna start today, but then you know, it doesn't happen, right? Like we like, I wanna learn Spanish. How many of us in America, I'm gonna become fluent in Spanish? and you download Duolingo, and you do it for like a week, and then you're like, yeah, whatever, (laughs) you know? It's because we're focusing, like, what what is the big why? Why do we want to do that? Are we filling in the why, or are we just saying it would be a good idea? Or even, are we saying this would be a good idea, but then what is God's idea? Focus, uh, if we want to fail, focus on changing behavior instead of being transformed. The very obvious scripture for this is Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of us want to be able to know God's will for our life? We want to know it. We want to know his perfect and pleasing will be open and available for Christ to convict, for Christ to like come in. And this is dangerous, right? This is a dangerous thing because then it's not just changing an, like, a part of your life. It's changing your life. It's transforming your life. If you really want to be vulnerable with this and you really want to lean in, the loudest or one of the loudest ways that God speaks is through his people. And years ago, a friend of mine gave me a question. Uh, he asked a question of me and then I asked it back and then I thought like I shouldn't have asked this question. Uh, but it's simply, uh, he said, what is something that, uh, that would be hard for me to hear, but if I heard it, I would be better because of it. What's something that I don't know? But, and it would be really hard. It would be tough for me to hear from you especially. But if I heard it, man, I, I probably would be better because of it. That's a very vulnerable question. Another thing that we can do together uh, is to go through regeneration. Like, John talks about this all the time we talk I feel like as a church, we talk about this all the time. Adult regeneration on mondays we have a, we have a student regeneration for high schoolers. If you want to do that, you can go on the website. We have a student regeneration it 's much shorter it 's great um, Kristen Zimmerman leads that like it it 's amazing so i I went through regeneration years ago with some other uh, pastors here on staff and my gosh there's one thing about going to regeneration, but then when you allow just vulnerable, naked honesty to, to infiltrate the way that you think and the way that you perceive life and the way that you see what God is doing in you and around you, man, that's when regeneration becomes this transformation of your life that is just so much free, more freeing to be able to walk through life. Philippians 4, eight says, Finally, at the, he's, Paul is addressing um, like one of the most important things for, for the church in Philippi to get. He says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, dwell on such things. Marinate your soul on such things. If we change the way that we think, man, that'd be so much better. Years ago, I, I, I stole this prayer, this pastor um, that I, you know, I listened to his sermons here and there. Uh, he talked about how he uses this one prayer and says, God, give me the eyes to see people the way that you see them so that I'll treat them the way that you treat them. God, if you give me eyes to just see, then, then I'll, I'll act more. Like, how, what, if, what if we— t- kind of shifted away from uh, as much of like behavior modification to like God let me just see the world the way that you see it and and then if I can see the world the way that you see it I think the better and the the more like you I will act in this world if we uncovered who Christ is in us already number four stay vague if you want to fail at your uh, your your, uh, new year's resolutions stay vague specifics are for engineers not us okay the engineers can be specific. We, if you want to fail, we, just stay vague, right? We're not the, the, the average person. We don't need to like add all these details to everything. Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, truthfully, I'm not the biggest fan of the phrase love people. Not because it's not true, and not because us as Christians. Like, that is a commission, that is a responsibility that we have. My, my problem comes in when we, we stay so vague at love people. And oftentimes, at least for me, I can just share my conviction. For me, uh, for years, love people just w- was really like, be courteous, have good manners towards everybody, but it, it, it didn't really turn into, like, be intentional and have impact in some people's life. Like, that phrase, like, what— I, I want constantly in my life, I want to add specifics under the phrase love people because, man, when you start to add specifics, then, then there starts to get a plan. Then you like, God, you know, how, how can this happen? How, 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 right? Oftentimes we talk about the why, and maybe you've even like thought about a why for New Year's resolutions. But then sometimes we get trapped in not filling out, not detailing the how, the how, Right? So many people are like, I'm going to lose weight. Well, how many uh, or how much? And by when? And what are you going to do, right? Like, I want to be a witness. Well, to who? And how are you going to do that? Or like, I want to serve. Like, well, where are you going to serve? How are you going to find your skills? How are you going to know? Like, those t- like how, 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 how? Fill those. Love specific people in specific ways. A friend of mine, Ryan, he, he said, instead of saying just love your neighbor, he says, I'm going to notice my neighbor. I'm going to notice them because if you notice somebody, then you treat them differently. Again, it kind of goes back to the way that you perceive things. What if we started loving people by specific names? Like we wrote for the, for the year, I'm just going to write down three names. God, this is my goal. This is my goal. To have an impact in Brian's life, to have an impact in David's life, life and Jessica's life and, and Stephanie's and, and whoever. Like what if we just wrote those names down? Then we would have success. But today is all about failure. So number five is acts the accountability, acts the accountability. If we really want to fail at our news resolutions or at our goals in life or whatever, just do it alone. That's great, right? It's easy. If we don't tell anyone, then we only fail ourselves. And we're used to that, right? We're used to letting ourselves down. Like, "Ah, I did it again, you know, classic me, you know? Like we, we are most broken when we're most alone. This is something that is so crazy. Years ago, I, I spent a long time studying the first three chapters of Genesis because it's, it's written in poetry and it's, uh, there's a lot of just good meat in there. And one thing that I, I, I learned through just my study of it is that there was loneliness before there was ever sin in the world. In Genesis 2.18, you, you know this verse. In Genesis 2.18, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. This is before sin was in the world. God created man. and He said, oh, it's not good for, their, for just one, to like this. He, man is created from my image. I live in constant community, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. So those that are created in my image need to live in community. We were created and crafted to live in community. Maybe for some of you in this room, Maybe for some couples, maybe for some young adults, maybe for just some people here. Like, it is, it is time. It's finally time to jump into community in this year. Maybe just even this semester. Give yourself like a bite of it, right? We fail fastest when, when we're doing things alone. We fail fastest. There are no lone wolf Christians long term. There's just not. Pastor John has a phrase, right? He, uh, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. How vulnerable are we with the five closest people that we're with? How open are we? Like, do we give them an avenue to, like, speak into our life? Or do we get defensive at, the, like, the, the first, like, hey, hey, no, no, you know? <laughs> like, I would like to help you. Like, I would like you to not, right? <laughs> when when uh, students are, or you know, pretty much anybody are getting baptized and they're in the baptismal on a Sunday, uh, I like to, like, point out, hey, does it feel weird for everybody be, to be staring at you? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is weird right now. I say, so, well, this is, uh, you know, and among the other things that you say there, you know, you're like, you like, if you're wondering, you say, like, do you believe Jesus is, was the son of God, lived and died for you, came back from life? Like, yep, cool, dunk, right? But also, I say, like, so many people are staring, you, are staring at you right now, and this is how God created the church to be, and so that they can judge you, not, not in a, like, hey, in a down way, but to pull you up to say, hey— you're doing things that are outside of your identity in Christ, and let me help you. Let me help you along the way, because you know the phrase of uh, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, travel together. Travel together. So there are many ways to fail. Those are my top five ways to fail at your New Year's, New Year's resolutions. But wait, there's more. A bonus. <laughs> A bonus way is to uh, simply exclude the Almighty. Exclude the Almighty. If we really, really, really want to fail quickly, then just don't factor in God. Jim Carrey once said that he wished everyone in the world could become rich and famous and have everything that their heart desired so that so that they could see that none of that is the answer. It is not a bad thing to plan. It's not a bad thing to plan. But when God's not consulted, when God's not brought into it, when God's will and God's purpose is not the pursuit, then we are setting ourselves up for failure. Proverbs uh, 16, 9, the book of wisdom says... The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Biblical scholar uh, David Guzik, he points out that that contrast between the point, uh, or between our planning and what actually happens is for God to determine. He says, in this contrast of the heart heart of man, we plan, but the Lord establishes his steps, like, are we trusting God with that gap in the middle? Or once we get to the the other side of, of whatever happened, do we look back and say, God, why did you let that happen? Are we front-loading our trust in God? Are we front-loading our involvement with God? Front-load our goals. Front-load all of that. Uh, Some of this, actually, honestly, most of this is just my own personal conviction that I'm sharing with you, truthfully. uh, This scripture above all of these other ones so far, James 4, 13 to 15, says, Come now, You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that thing. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best in my prayers To say, Lord, if it's Your will, if it's Your will, if it's Your will, if it is Your will for my life, for our life, then God, I pray that, I pray that, and then I trust God in in the middle, between whatever I plan, whatever is happening, or whatever whatever I plan to, whatever ends up happening, I'm trying to front load my trust in God, front load the involvement of God in my life, in my purpose, in my goals, in all of that stuff, because ultimately, this life is not about me, anyways. Johann Sebastian Bach, you you know, the famous composer who composed some of the most beautiful music of all times, music that still stands the test of time. Maybe you didn't know this. He was a very strong Christian man. And what he would do is uh, he would have blank pieces of paper, blank music sheets. And before he ever started composing any kind of music, he would write at the very top, Soli Deo Gloria, which means solely for the glory of God. He, he would write this with the intention of saying, God, everything that I'm about to do is for your glory and not my own. It's for your glory and not my own. And then again, he would compose music that we still listen to today, hundreds of years later. And then when he was done, when he had finalized the, the sheets of music, he would write it again, "Soli Deo Gloria, reminding himself, his, his life, his talent, and his responsibility in life is not for his glory. It's not for his comfort. It's not for his purpose. It's solely for the glory of God. I took this and I stole it and I journal it every day. In fact, I believe that my body's a temple, so I got to decorate the walls. I tattooed it on myself right here. So, ta- decorate the walls? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah? All right. <laughs> solely Deo Gloria. And the more that I lean into and, and, and prayerfully pursue in a, in a very imperfect way that my life would be aimed at God's glory and not my own. The more that, that happens in my life, imperfect and all the failures that keep happening and all the good that happens along the way, is so much better than I could ever imagine. It's so much better than I could ask for. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 even says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. That's a prayer that, that maybe a lot of us need to adopt. Maybe a lot of us, like that is a scripture for the year that, man, we're going to take this and pray this throughout the year. Now to you, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. imagine like there are so many things that I ask and I don't get and yet my life is so much better than I could imagine because, again, imperfectly. But I'm trying to just place my identity in His hands along the way. So to recap, if you want to fail, and maybe maybe you just need to pick one of these and you go home and you prayerfully kind of journal through this. Number one, be comfortable with who you are and where you are. Number two, you should yourself to death. I think that's the one that I do the most. Like I should have done this sooner, right? Number three, focus on changing behavior instead of being transformed. Number four, stay vague. And number five, acts accountability with the bonus being the obvious. Exclude God from it. Um, Bettering ourselves and and bettering our life and bettering who we are and and better uncovering our identity in Christ and what he created us to do here on earth. is such a big deal. Because I I believe that there is just rooms and hundreds and thousands of us that God has so many steps laid out for us to take. And it's up to us to choose them. It's up to us to grow to them. It's up to us to just be willing and open for his transformation in our life. I'll leave you with this quote, and I'll pray for us. It's a quote that has been seared on my soul that I just can't get out of my mind. I think about this like daily. It says this, when we are born, we look like our parents. But when we die, we'll look like our choices. Let me pray. God, I pray that uh, your will in our life would be the goal of our life that as we set resolutions or we we set um, ideas of what this next year can look like, whether that be in in a gross sense, financial sense, a a time sense in in our marriage with our our kids and our just relationships or community, whatever that is, God, I pray that we would include you above all else, that you would teach us the why, you would point out, convict us of a why, and God, lead us to how. It's in your name that we fail at our New Year's resolutions, but aim to succeed in your will and your purpose for our life. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.